Hey, this is the Friends with Businesses podcast. In this episode, we talk to Trey McLarnan of Best Part Productions, a production company that creates films, commercials, and other media. Trey and his brother Chad started Best Part Productions about eight years ago and are currently working on their first feature film in Nashville. I can't wait to hear Trey's story. Enjoy. We're here today with Trey McLarnan on the Friends with Businesses podcast. I'm Elizabeth Yarbrough. Hi, and I'm Blake Hermes. Hey, Trey. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. Really excited to talk to you about what you're working on right now, which is Best Part Productions. And we will get into that more in just a few minutes. Trey, you and I have known each other for a little while. Did we meet at a networking event? I don't know. Because... <laughs> So it wasn't I, memorable. Well, I, I know that I met Jason <laughs> Eagley first, and then you and I met following that. Got it. You're right. I think we met at a network after work event at a couple, maybe like a year and a half ago. I think, I think that's it. Either way, we've been in touch since then. That doesn't even matter. But we've seen each other around the circuit, and now see each other at Network Under 40 events regularly. So Trey, tell us just a little bit more about you. Where are you from? What do you like to do when you're not working? Sure. Um, so I'm from the Nashville area originally. I grew up in Gallatin on a uh, cattle farm, uh, believe it or not. Um, wow. So yeah, I'm one of the, the few people still around who's from this area. Um, I think the classification now is unicorn. Um, <laughs> I didn't ask for that, but that's a, we've been labeled with it anyway. <laughs> we have been. Uh, it is funny though, because it does seem like there's a radar between locals nowadays when you get in the same room, since there's so few just naturally gravitate to each other. I have experienced that. That's so funny, but I've never heard anybody put words to it. Well, that's what we're here to do, you know, put words <laughs> to do <new> things. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Yeah, but but yeah. So I, I'm I'm from Gallatin. I grew up in this area, and um, then I left for a little while to go to school, and then go to law school. Um, I went to law school in Southern Illinois at Carbondale, go Salukis, and uh, um, and then came back here to Nashville. And I was a practicing attorney for a, a long period of time uh, before making the transition into my career now. Um, and then you had also asked about outside of. Outside of work, I travel extensively, uh, obsessively with my wife. Uh, okay. And then also I play a, uh, a lot of games, uh, particularly a game called Magic the Gathering, which I play competitively and have traveled around playing that for a long time. Very cool. I don't think I know anybody else who does that or maybe one person. Wait, I think so you know that, at least one. Is that the purpose for traveling? You travel around doing Magic the Gathering? That's not the purpose. Uh, you know, yeah. I travel for fun, but I also do travel for magic. Um, I yeah. was uh, able to play on the Pro Tour a few years ago uh, for magic, played in Dublin, Ireland uh, uh, for the Pro Tour. Wow. So this is like really big time. Yeah. Going yeah, to another I, I, country. I, I, I play a lot. <laughs> That's so interesting. I know nothing about this world. I like it. So where else do you like to travel? You say obsessively and extensively tell us more about that yeah it's, it's all kinds of different things i've been to europe four or five times in the last few years 
um, a lot of different places domestically. I'm next trip coming up is I'm heading to Japan in April and I'll be gone for two weeks in Japan coming up. Uh, but I mean, I've been to in, in the last four years, I've been to Switzerland, uh, Belgium, London, um, the Netherlands, uh, Spain. Yeah. And then a bunch of different places domestically as well. Wow. So you like those international trips? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, do do it all on rewards points. It's the way to go. Mm. So were you able to travel when you were a practicing attorney or is this a more recent hobby that you've picked up? Uh, so I did I did travel as an attorney, but things had to be somewhat limited. You know, I didn't have the freedom and the flexibility that I do now. And it's definitely opened up bigger possibilities, which is one of the reasons that I'm going to Japan now. Um, because it's such a lengthy time to get there. It never felt like it was going to be worth it if I couldn't stay for at least two weeks. Mm -hmm. That just wasn't really fathomable uh, as a litigation attorney. Right. So how, okay. how, do you, how do you do on those long flights? Like I've never been on a flight more than like four or five hours. I can't imagine being on something that's more than that. Do you just fall yeah. asleep or like, what do you do exactly? Oh no, I don't sleep hardly for anything anyway, wherever oh, I am. So that's not really a big, uh, a big part of it. Uh, I, I most of the time just watch movies. So I'll, you know, be on a flight for, you know, seven and a half hours and just watch four movies and then land. It's fine. So good segue talking about how you have more freedom now that you are in business for yourself. How, well, how long have you been working on this film that we're going to talk a little bit more about, but how long have you been working on best part productions? So I started the company uh, best part productions with my brother in 2009. Um, I was still a practicing attorney at that time, but we started the company. We went into production right after starting the company on our first short film two weeks afterwards. It was a very whirlwind kind of thing. We got excited about it. And we just gave it a shot. And then following that, we made another short film and then another one and another one. We started sending them to film festivals and getting in. And then we started winning awards at film festivals. And then we were fortunate enough to sell some of our short films for distribution. And we just kind of kept building on that as we were going over the years. And the whole time I was doing nights and weekends. I was working as an attorney. I was ha having a full litigation load, um, doing just tons of depositions and trials and all of those kinds of things. And then working on all of the film stuff in the evenings. Um, and so it kind of reached a point where we wanted to build towards making full-length feature films. And that wasn't really doable on the part-time schedule that I was working. Even though my brother worked full-time for the company, I wasn't able to give it the time commitment that was necessary to make that jump. Uh, and so then in August of 2018, I left the practice, retired from law, and then went full-time so that we could try to make the jump to making feature films. Wow. So almost 10 years. Is it nine years that you were doing films on practically all of your nights and weeks weekends. <laughs> yeah, I was doing films. I was doing stand-up comedy. I was playing competitive magic and then also trying to make sure that my wife doesn't divorce me. So it was, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I had a full plate most of the time. Sounds like it. Were you tired? <laughs> Were you just uh, exhausted? Perpetually. <laughs> so how did you decide and why did you decide to 
do best part productions full time and quit your law career or retire from your law career. Yeah, it sounds so better. So sounds so much better, right? <laughs> I noticed uh, that. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was a lot of different factors. I mean, the biggest thing was, though, is that we wanted to make the jump. You know, we we started to have some success with the short films that we were doing, the music videos that we were doing, and but making movies that something that outside of the film industry that people recognize, like most people don't know what short films are, you know, unless they watch the Oscars might be the only time they ever see it. Or if they've ever been to a film festival, they might know something about it. But most people, when they think about movies, they think about the things they see at the theaters, right? Like the, the big normal like full length films. And that's what we had always wanted to do. And so I had kind of had a breaking point of deciding whether or not I was satisfied with what we'd made or whether or not we wanted to take a real run at it. And I wasn't satisfied. So I decided to make a move and, and see if we could make it work. So were your films, your, your shorts and the other pieces that you're creating before you went full-time, were they making money? Was the company generating a revenue before you went full-time? Uh, yes. I mean, you know, most short films don't make money. You take all the money that you have, you light it on fire and you call everyone you can see and say, look what I did. Isn't this fun? That's normally, <laughs> that's a short film. That's what they are. Um, we've been very fortunate in the sense that we have been able to sell some of those short films, uh, gotten some distribution agreements with those films, and that they have generated some revenue. Uh, not a lot, you know, not enough in a sustainable way. But in comparison to what you're dealing with, mostly with short films, which is that they all just lose all the money that they had, we've been very fortunate in that regard. Um, and then we were generating income as well through music videos and commercials and, and that type of work as well. So are you guys doing the, the videography and you know, do you own the camera equipment and doing all the post-production? Is that part of your role or we do, we do it all, the whole um, between my brother and I, we can, we can handle a production throughout the entire process. We write together, hmm. we concept, uh, we can do production, uh, we can do post, uh, oftentimes we handle almost everything in house. Yeah, what, what kind of equipment are you running? So, I mean, it varies. We own uh, equipment. You know, we have a camera. We have a light system. You know, we have all of those different kinds of things. But, you know, if projects demand it, then you just use a rental house. And there mm -hmm. are several rental houses that are in town. You can go rent a camera package for whatever you need. You can rent a grip truck and lights and, and all of those various things. So we can handle a lot of small-scale productions with the equipment that we own. And then if there are things that exceed that or outside of it, then we just rent equipment. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm actually working on this one project. Uh, and we're bringing, bringing in a guy from Vanderbilt. He's a Vanderbilt grad student. And, uh, and we want him to help us with all the videography and doing like the script and everything. And he's rather expensive. I'm just kind of curious. Like, is would are you doing projects where it's like really short like one minute clips of, you know, just real, just a real commercial type setting where you're kind of doing like a YouTube video here, the YouTube video there, or are you just more so on like the short film stuff? What are yeah. your kind of your customer so client? Our, our primary focus as a company is that we are a movie company and you know, that is our primary goal and our primary focus. Um, we do some other content as well. You know, we will do commercial work. We will do some other things. We are available for hire uh, on a freelance basis. Um, but our marketing efforts are, are geared towards movies. Uh, our fundraising efforts are geared toward movies. I mean, that is our primary thing. 
but we work on different kinds of projects. I mean, we even did, you know, we still do still photography. Uh, we did corporate headshots two weeks ago for a company, you know, you go and do a day. So it just, it varies depending on what's there. And, but we are active advertising and everything that we have is geared towards making films. Cool. So I want to go back just for a minute to 2009. Did I get that date right? When yeah. you, you and your brother started and you said you had the idea, you started your project two weeks later. So you just jumped in. Did, had you written anything yet? Did you have a plan or did you jump in and just kind of get your hands dirty? Yeah, so with, with that specifically, I mean, I started off in, in undergrad writing for theater. So I wrote some short plays. I had those produced like local theater style in West Tennessee. Um, nothing big, but, you know, I got started doing that. And then I did stand-up comedy for a decade. And so I had written a lot doing that. Um, my brother had worked as a commercial photographer since he was 14. I mean, he'd worked at newspapers. Then he'd also worked doing commercial work always. Um we had worked as crew uh, for a friend of ours on a film project that he had, but that had been really about the extent of what we had done from a film standpoint. And we had the realization standing at an art show at a coffee house for my brother's still photography. Um, we were looking around the room at the people that were there and recognizing that we had sound and wardrobe and uh, costuming and actors and makeup and all of these people that were in the room that did those kinds of things. And then said, heck, we have a full film crew in the room. Why don't we just try something? So uh, we went for home from that. We got excited. We put the company together. And then uh, my brother and I and a friend of ours named Steve wrote a script and put a crew together. And we were shooting two weeks afterwards. Wow. Just went for it. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, there's a lot of different stories and a lot of different things that I can say. But most people ask how I got started doing this. And the answer is simply I made a movie. And then I made another movie and then we just yep. kept making them. Yep. So you could say, how do you learn how to make a movie by making a movie? Making a movie. <laughs> Definitely. But, you know, yep. I don't think that that's that different from other businesses. Right. I mean, all kinds of different schooling or anything else. Right. I, I, I have an extensive amount of schooling. I went to undergrad then I went to law school. Those things don't teach you how to do that job. Mm -hmm. You know, I learned how to be a lawyer by being a lawyer. Right. You, you go down your first day and it's, you don't know what anything is. I, I remember my third day as an attorney, I had a boss come in and say, great, you're going to go do a BRC. And I was like, great, what is that? I don't know what any <laughs> of that means. And you just learn by doing it. And that's every job I've ever had is that way. And so it, it, it's interesting, though, because people don't think about things that are outside the industries that they've dealt with in that way. But if they think back about even what they learned in the industries that they're in, they learned it experientially. They didn't know how to do it beforehand because of school or something else. They got in there and did it and then they figured it out and the mistakes they made, they just didn't keep making. Right. Well, it makes a lot of sense when you put it that way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> so, so it's summer 2018. You quit your job as an attorney and start, you go full time. It's been about roughly a year and a half how how's it been how's it gone since then oh it's great i mean it's great it's been it's been the best thing that i've ever done um I, why do you I, do that i'm just it, it, 
I'm happier working towards the things that I want to be working towards. You know, I mean, there are a lot of obstacles. There are a lot of challenges throughout the process. You know, still haven't achieved the goals yet that we're trying to do, but we continue to make progress towards them. And, you know, I, I did a lot of different things and a lot of good things as an attorney, but all I do now is make new stuff. That's all I do. And I, I make stuff and put it out into the world. And it's a pretty fun and exciting thing to be a part of. And I've been able to share that type of experience, not only with people from a creative standpoint through storytelling and filmmaking, but I've also been able to share an exciting opportunity with people from a financial standpoint, because, you know, I was a guy that worked in an office for almost 12 years and had all of these creative pursuits and creative ideas and things that I wanted to do. And I was doing it independently nights and weekends, but a lot of people never get presented with that opportunity or know how to do that, but they may have this desire to be a part of something like that, but they don't know how or don't know what or don't know why. And so as we've been raising money for this film that we're trying to work on, I've been able to share that experience with people from an investment standpoint, that they may have always wanted to be a part of a movie or may have always wanted to be a part of something that was exciting and creative, but they didn't know how. And no one's ever presented that to them. And so that's been a lot of fun, too, of being able to share that with people and seeing them get excited about it. Just because they, they never would have imagined in their life that that was a thing that they would have the opportunity to do. Right. That does sound very meaningful. So you said there have been some challenges, unsurprisingly. What, what's just one of the hardest things that you've worked through the past 18 months? Well, I mean, it's, it's the thing that happens, I think, with a lot of things, not just creative endeavors, but businesses in general, is that no one cares what you're doing. That you, It's your job to go out and make people care about what it is that you're doing and then provide something that's worth caring about. And so, you know, there is a considerable amount of challenge in that, that you have to be internally motivated to what's going on. You don't have a boss coming in and telling you that there's something that needs to be completed or giving you a list of tasks or something that needs to be done. You have to self-start everything that you're doing and you have to set a direction of what it is that you're working towards and then figure out what the solutions to those problems are. There aren't necessarily other resources for you. You're a bit on an island in that regard. And with me specifically is that I'm working in an industry that people in the area where I live don't really know about. So when I'm going out and approaching investors and I'm talking to people, they don't know how film works. They don't know how the business side of that happens because they've never been exposed to it. So I've had a, a steep educational curve with people to try to get them to understand how that works, make them feel comfortable uh, and, and that they have confidence in looking at an investment opportunity. What would you say over the, the past 18 months, what would you say is one thing or one person? It could be a person, a book, a podcast, something that you really leaned on to for just for support to kind of keep you going. Well, I mean, you know, despite the, the simple answer of my of my brother and my wife, which I would not be doing these things without uh, most assuredly. Uh, I can say that for my industry specifically, the best resource that I have found in anything is a book called Filmmakers and Financing uh, by Louise Levinson, which is the best book that I have read for film business and anything. I've read a lot of really bad film business books, but that's a very good one. A lot of bad ones, huh? Oh, man. So many why bad do you, ones. Why do you think that is? 
the, there is a really key thing. So, you know, we're operating as independent filmmakers and it's uh, as of right now, relatively low budget filmmaking. And so many things that are in the educational space about filmmaking act as if that phase of filmmaking doesn't exist. They talk about things at bigger levels, even mid-major levels or three to $5 million budget levels. And even if you go to live seminars or things that are being organized by film festivals and everything else, they start talking to you about things that are at this kind of level up place. And they're not giving people basic resources that they need in order to try to be successful initially. Um, and so there's that. And the second part of it is that there's a lot of uh, star uh, gazing and promising in re relation to entertainment specifically. And so people talk about things in a real grand fashion or a real big fashion, and it's not very nuts and bolts practical of things that you need to do. Um, you know, because you need to know boring things as well. Like, it's not just about, hey, we're going to make a movie and it's going to be fun. You need to know how to set up an LLC and balance a budget and generate a business plan and, you know, mm -hmm. do basic things that other entrepreneurs also need to know how to do. And a lot of things in the entertainment space don't talk to you about that kind of stuff. So what, what was the name of that book again? Filmmakers and Financing. Film it's always difficult to find because it has the most generic title ever. Yeah, it <laughs> it's not very memorable, obviously, because I couldn't remember it. But what, what was the, what's a big takeaway from that book exactly that you could recommend to somebody else? Yeah, uh, you know, I mean, the biggest thing is, is that recognizing that the only reason that any of the things that you're doing are going to exist is because of you. You, you are going and making them exist. No one's asking for it. No one wants it. You're doing it out of some sense of stubbornness or importance or, you know, need that you have, but it's you driving the ship. No one's coming to you and mm -hmm. saying, I want you to make a movie. No one cares. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Trey, I'm always curious with creative partnerships, like what you and your brother have is one of you more creative and the other more business savvy or are you both a blend or how's that worked? We're definitely both a blend. Um, we have different things that we do from a creative standpoint. Uh, my contributions are primarily in writing and producing um, and he and I will write together as a team, but even in that collaboration, we have different strengths. Um, and then he knows a lot more about the technical side of things and filmmaking than I do. He, he's a, uh, director of photography. He can shoot, he can edit, he can, um, he can do all of those technical things that are there where it's best if I don't touch the camera, it's probably <laughs> good news for everybody. Um, but then, you know, I can be very effective as a producer as well from an organizational standpoint, a structural standpoint, but he also works as a producer. He, he doesn't shy away from those types of responsibilities. Um, and then with the business side, we both do that. We're better in different settings. We're better at different parts of it. Um, but he's not kind of one of those like wild creatives who wants to never look at a spreadsheet or doesn't have any interest in those things. Like he's responsible about it too, because it's a recognition that in show business, that if you ignore the business side of it, then you have to give up that control to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And, hmm. and, so if you want to have true creative control, you have to also do the business side of it. And so we both try to jump into those responsibilities and, and share it while playing into our strengths. So in, in terms of like business development and lead generation, how are you guys getting, getting business exactly? Well, so again, uh, primarily my focus right now is finding investors more than finding clients. Gotcha. Um, that's primarily what I've been doing. So we're raising funds for a, a horror film to shoot in Nashville 
uh, this year. And mm-hmm. so we've been taking on private equity investors in relation to that project. So my goal in lead generation has been finding uh, possible investors or investor candidates to approach and talk about it. Um, and I try to do that in any and all possible ways that I can imagine. Uh, and it varies from being parts of, uh, you know, terrific networking groups like Network Under 40 or uh, also um, engaging in ways that people don't think about, especially entertainment. Like I, Network Under 40 is a great example of it where I go to networking that's not specific to my industry because I'm trying to find people that are interested in being part of something unique or different as opposed to trying to swim against all of the other people that are doing the same thing that I'm doing. Right. Right. Smart. Um then I also try to leverage LinkedIn. I do a considerable amount of uh, cold emailing, cold calling mm. to contacts through there. And then also recognizing that networking is not transactional, but relationship based. So every time I make a connection, even if they're not a good candidate for what I'm doing, I'm asking for referrals. I'm trying to find out who they know. Then I'm working my way through those people as well and just trying to find good fits that are there while also trying to provide value to those people that I meet along the way. So you're a salesman right now. That's your main job. (laughs) Always promoting. Did you develop sales skills as an attorney? Do you feel like you're a natural sales guy? Um, I think that I do have a natural aptitude for it, but there's definitely a lot of skills that I acquired as a result of an attorney and also a lot with my uh, wife as well. I mean, so my wife's a realtor, so sales are her whole job. And so we talk about sales strategies, how to approach those things. Um, but yeah, I mean, people don't think about attorneys as salesmen, but I mean, a lot of my job as an attorney was to get people to sign on the line that is dotted. That is what I'm there to do, to get them to hire me and then get them to settle their case and to do the things they need to do. That's the way it goes. Yeah. Um, but it's uh, the biggest thing that was a breakthrough for me from a sales standpoint is recognizing that whatever I'm doing is not selling a product. It's not selling a service. It's not selling anything. It's spending time with people to identify what their problem is and then presenting yourself as the solution to that problem. And that's been true in everything that I've done. And that's true with what I'm doing now. The problem might be that people are bored or that people don't like having their investments in things that they don't know what they're about, you know? Most people always say the, uh, the advice, invest only in things that you know about, but no one actually really does that. You know, they put their stuff in a 401k or in the stock market or in, a, in something else. They get a statement uh, every quarter and they look at it. They don't know what any of it means and they throw it in the trash. And their money makes money, loses money, but that's all it does. And so sometimes that problem is just that they want to be able to touch or see something that their money has actually done. And so it's been fun being able to be that option for people. So Trey, it sounds like you're in a place of like fulfillment and you're really content with the choice you made to, to move into this other, other career path. Uh, what is something you would tell somebody or what's a mistake that you've made possibly that would help somebody not make that mistake? Or maybe it's a good piece of key advice for somebody. Well, w- one thing that I think that is difficult to see in the moment, especially because it can feel this way a lot of the times, is that you're never trapped no matter what your situation is and what's going on in your life. And, and that can structure in a lot of different ways. Sometimes it's sunk cost fallacy. Well, people are like, I went to school for a long time for this. I spent a lot of money on this. I've built up a reputation in this industry. So I have to do this, even though my heart's not really in it anymore, because I've done all of this up until this point. That's not true. You just quit. You just walk in one day and say, I'm not going to come in here anymore. And then go right. do something else. 
exactly. There's, there's no rules really into regards to that stuff. There's, there's societal expectations or anything else, but none of that really matters. It, it really is as simple as you just can decide to do something else and then go do it. And it might not even be pressures like that. And you know, there are financial concerns. There are things like that. You have to be responsible. When I made the decision I was going to leave, I planned for two years, saved money, you know, did a lot of things. You have to be practical. But if you want to do something different, you can do something different. Just the key thing that you have to do is you have to first off say that and recognize that you're going to have to work towards a goal and then do it. And but you can do whatever if you want to, you know, if I wanted to stop doing this tomorrow and go do something else, I could like there. Anybody uh, can try to make that decision, but you have to like establish what the goals are and then work towards whatever those goals are. Yep. I love it. Before I. uh, yeah, I'm going to kick it back over to you, Elizabeth, but I got one more question. So so we've got the Network Under 40 event tonight, and and I'm, I'm the chief ambassador, so I have to do this huddle thing. Um, so I guess my question to you is, um, are you excited for tonight? And uh, what's what's the top question you're going to ask people uh, at Network Under 40? Um, my, my excitement cannot be contained. It presently <laughs> exceeds my ability to express it um, <laughs> with words or emotions. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, the number one question that I will ask is the same number one question that I ask at every one of these. Do you want to make a movie? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Love it. All right. I'm done with the questions. Okay. (laughs) Well, Trey, our number one question is this. We want to know, and you've kind of already spoken to this a little bit, but if there's anything else that you want to add or if you... um, Maybe you'll answer differently than I'm expecting, but how do you define success? Well, I I think this is going to sound like a cop-out answer, but I think that you have to define what that means based on what you're doing. Most people have a generic response for success and success is, is money or fame in, in some way, you know, associated with those things. And then if you're not doing that, then you haven't succeeded. Um, but, it's more about if you have certain goals that you're trying to accomplish and that may be money or that may be time that you want more freedom or more flexibility or more time, or it may be, you know, like with what I'm doing specifically that your goal is just to make movies and that the money part is secondary, you know, that the goal is get to the point where you can make a film, then make another one. And then if you're accomplishing that, then you're having success with what you're doing. But a similar example would be when I was doing stand up. My goal was to find out whether or not I could do it. Could I stand on stage in front of people and make them laugh? And I did it. And I didn't go to the point of, you know, doing late night or touring, you know, on on big cross-country tours or anything like that. But I did it for a long time and I proved to myself that I could do it. And that was all I was setting out to do. And so I succeeded in it as far as I was concerned. And so I, I think it's more about goal identification and then recognizing whether or not you're meeting those than, than any kind of exterior factors about success. So you and your brother and business partner are creating a film. You're raising money. How can we, or where can we find you online and how can we stay updated on your progress as you move forward? Sure. We have a website, bestpartproductions.com. Uh, also on Twitter at Best Part Pro, or uh, my personal Twitter is Trey MC, T R E Y M C. Um, and uh, I think we also have an Instagram now. All the links are on the website. <laughs> we didn't okay. have an Instagram for a while, but I think we do now. 
So bestpartproductions.com. Got it. Trey, this has been so much fun. Thanks for talking to us. Yeah, really thanks for having me on. Yeah. We'll see you soon. Yeah, see you in like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Thanks, Trey.